Okay. <clears throat> good morning. And hope you're having a good Sunday. Dear Lord, please help people to understand this scripture and uh, help us to deal with this issue. Idolatry causes consequences and cures. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10. Why do I lie? Why do I fail to love as I should? Why do I, why do I not keep my promises? Why am I selfish? There is something besides Jesus that I feel I must have to be happy, something that is more important to me than God and enslaving me through inordinate desires. A heart is an idol factory. What makes the things that I find to be absolutely essential to life other than Jesus? Martin Lloyd-Jones, an idol is anything in our lives that occupies a place that should be occupied by God alone. Anything that is essential in my life, anything that seems to be essential, an idol is anything by which I live and on which I depend. Anything that holds such a controlling position in my life that it moves, rouses, and attracts too much of my time, attention, energy, and money. It can be physical object, a property, a person, an activity, a role, an institution, a hope, and an image, an idea, a pleasure, or a hero. Okay. There are causes, two causes of idolatry. All of our hearts are grasping and demanding. Idolatry is the principal crime of the human race, the highest guilt charged upon the world, procuring the judgment of God. All murder and adultery, for example, are idolatry, for they are arise being because something is love more than God. Yet in turn, all idolatry is murder for it assaults God and all idolatry is adultery for its unfaithfulness to God. Thus, it comes to pass that in adultery, all crimes are detected and in all crimes, idolatry. Tertullian on idolatry, chapter one. Paul explains beginning in the sixth verse why these Israelites perished in the wilderness. He says there are two things which they that they did, which we also do. First of all, all our idolatrous hearts crave evil things that God forbids. We read in verse 6, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts, keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some were as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died, verses 6 to 8. Paul says of their problems was they craved evil things that God had forbidden. They followed after idols. They followed after sexual immorality. Are evil things they never should have longed for. Now, this is like uh, uh, back when uh, the days of um, in the Old Testament with uh, Balaam. And Balaam couldn't curse the Israelites, so he was trying to get money from a pagan king. So he said the best way to get the Israelites to fall is to sin. And he did um, by concocting a plan with the pagan king to uh, have the women of his nation to meet the Israelites. And they ate the food of the pagan king, and they slept with the women of the pagan king of his nation, and a plague came and uh those men who slept with those women had to die and the women also the pagan women secondly our idolatrous hearts crave good and legitimate things that god chooses not to give us 
Idols are not necessarily simple things, but good and basic things elevated to the status of ultimate in our lives. We look to them to give our lives meaning that and worth and to cover our, self, our sense of insignificance. Then they grumbled when they didn't get what they wanted. Verses 9 tells us we should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes and do not grumble as some of them did. We all know that it's not good to lust after evil things, but I wonder how often we remember that also it's also a grievous thing in the God's sight to demand good things that God has not chosen to give us. Then to murmur and grumble and whine and complain when we don't get what we want. Now, a lot of us, you know, uh, it will be very hard for us. And the road to heaven is very narrow, especially in these hard times. Uh, what we have all been facing since 2019, 2020. I don't need to explain that. Okay. But um, this is where the rubber meets the road because it's one thing for God to tell you not to have bad things. It's a whole other thing when it's like uh, when God, you have to depend on God to give you things and be okay with what he gives you. And sometimes for many of us, we're not going to hand, we're not going to have that. And we're just going to do our own thing and just, risk our souls in the process it's it's this road is not for the faint of heart okay like i said in especially in the times that we are in and the times are getting worse okay and um hey just imagine when end times come up and the antichrist is on the scene no there will not be any pre-tribulation Okay, I'm sorry, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> the, the house of the Lord has to be judged and has to be purified. So guess what? The house of the Lord is the Christians, all right? Um, yeah, so people are going to have to endure <laughs> to the end, whether they make it to see Jesus physically come back and uh, set things right, or they die in the process. Okay. The sin that destroyed the children of Israel and kept them out of the promised land really came down to a single root, and it's sin of discontentment, wanting something that God has not given them. That is what that is was not God's given time to give them. They insisted on th having things they wanted that God had not provided, on and that Scripture says God considered this a very serious sin. Do not grumble as some of them did and were destroyed in the wilderness. What are the devastating consequences of idolatry? The text highlights three devastating consequences for those who perish in idolatry. Idolatry arouses God's displeasure. God is displeased. Idolatry is the most heinous injury and affront to the true God. It is transferring his worship and honor to a rival. Idolatry brings physical ruin, brokenness, pain, suffering, death, and judgment. Verse 5, Paul sees the wilderness as a strewn with bodies. Their corpses littered the desert. Idolatry brings spiritual destruction as we fall under God's divine discipline. What is a cure for idolatry? Take heed. The danger of falling into idolatry is always before us. Those who are self-insured and proud are the most susceptible. Those who have personally experienced God's divine presence, guidance, and miraculous deliverance can become overconfident and complacent. Take one. Take heed by fleeing idolatry to seek safety in flight, to avoid, shun, run away from Keep on running away from idolatry. When you are fleeing from something, you are running into safety. 
where safety is found. Two, take heed by relishing and rejoicing in how God rescued us in Jesus Christ. God acts divisively to rescue his idolatrous people. Let's reflect for a moment on the types of Christ in this story. Christ is the pillar of the cloud that screens us from the heat of God's wrath. Christ, as the light of the world, is our pillar of fire to guide us through the darkness of the world. The rock was struck. As the rock was smitten, set forth the waters, so Christ had been once all smitten, sends forth the waters of the Spirit. The serpent was lifted up. John chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, look up and live. As the serpent set up on the pole, the bread of God came down from heaven and gives us gives life to the world. John chapter 6, verses 31 to 34. Okay. One, take heed by remembering the time in which we live in. Verse 11, at the end of the age, when the end is about to come, all previous ages come to their appointed end in Christ. Two, take heed by remembering who God is. He is faithful. He is wise as well as faithful. He will give us strength and resolve to bear under our trials. And testing, who he knows what we can bear. We have full encouragement to flee from sin and to be faithful to God. Three, God is faithful to provide a means to endure times of testing and temptation, a way of escape. That's the thing. Okay. We have to be willing to take to choose that. All right. Many of us aren't going to make it. There's always a lot of us aren't because a lot of us aren't willing to take this life seriously and to endure the pain because the Christian life is painful. He did say that you're going to have to deny yourself daily. And a lot of people aren't going to do that. But a choice is ours, what we want to do, okay? It's what we want to do. Because everybody's not going to do this. You know, people will hear sermons like this, and at the end of the day, it's our choice because we can say we love God, but then we have to deny ourselves and live day to day without what we want or to hear him tell him, well, I don't want you to have this job or I don't want you to do this or that or to have this wife or to have this. That's when the rubber meets the road and we have to do this daily. It hurts, but. We have a choice to make. He who is holy, let him be holy still. He who is faithful, let him be faithful still. But everything, but heaven is only for overcomers. That's the thing. It's only for overcomers. Peace and blessings to you. If you like it, like this, uh, what was said today, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Peace and blessings.